Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our scripture reading today comes from the gospel according to Matthew, uh, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Listen in these words for what God is speaking to you today. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who is leaving on a trip. He called his servants and handed them his possession, handed his possessions over to them. To one he gave five valuable coins, and to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. He gave to each servant according to the servant's ability. Then he left on his journey. After the man left, the servant who had five valuable coins took them and went to work doing business with them. He gained five more. In the same way, the one that had two valuable coins gained two more coins. But the servant who had received the one valuable coin dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received five valuable coins came forward with five additional coins. He said, Master, you gave me five valuable coins. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, excellent, you are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. And the second servant also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two valuable coins. Look, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, you are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. Now the one who had received one valuable coin came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man. You harvest grain where you haven't sown. You gather crops where you haven't spread seed. So I was afraid, and I hid my valuable coin in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. His master replied, You evil and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest grain where I haven't sown and that I gather crops where I haven't spread seed. In that case, you should have turned my money over to the bankers so that when I returned, you could give me what belonged to me with interest. Therefore, take from him the valuable coin and give it to the one who has ten coins. Those who have much will receive more, and they will ha have more than they need. But as for those who don't have much, even the little bit that they have will be taken away from them. Now, take the worthless servant and throw him outside into the darkness." May God add a blessing to the hearing and the living out of this scripture. Good morning, Urban Village Church. Good morning. I'm so glad to worship with you, even on a, a cold day like this, um, when our minds not, might be a little scrambled from the chaos of, of things, or uh, that uh, we, this is our first moment of respite and deep breathing at the end of a long week. I'm so glad to be with you. Let us pray. God, we are grateful for the gift that it is to come together on days like these, and we ask that you would clear away the clutter of our hearts and our minds to be present um, to what it is 
that your spirit is trying to do within us to be attentive to what it is that your spirit might be speaking into us. Help us to receive that and to let it challenge us and call us forth in new and powerful ways so that we might be agents of your good work, of your life-giving purpose in this world. Amen. I'm not quite sure if I introduced myself, so I will again just in case. I'm Emily McGinley, and I have um, the great joy of serving as the pastor here at Urban Village Church, Hyde Park Woodlawn. So uh, if you were here this past Sunday, then you may have heard an announcement um, asking for um, support in child care, and, um, and, uh, or if you knew folks who might be interested or, or have gifts for child care. And this happened because the last few months, our children's ministry coordinator, Lena, has been really having a hard time finding childcare workers for our nursery. And I noticed that for a while that we hadn't had any childcare. And after a couple of times kind of touching base about this, how's it going, what, you know, what's going on, um, I decided to have a much fuller, more direct conversation with Lena to figure this thing out. And as she shared about struggling to find people, she said something else. She said, I didn't want you to think I couldn't do this. Now, I'm sharing this uh, story with Lena's permission, in case you're wondering. Now, I have to be honest, I was really confused by this statement. But as she continued to speak, I realized something. I realized that throughout much of her professional life, Lena has worked in spaces and institutions where her competency has been questioned. As one of a very few people of color in her Master of Library Science program at the U of I, her viewpoint Her opinions and her contributions were often dismissed when they did not fit with the dominant consensus. In her work at libraries, her position, her authority of intellect, and her professional status has been called into question, dismissed, or diminished by supervisors, colleagues, and even library patrons. Now let me tell you something about Lena. From the very first time that I met her, one of the first things that Lena shared with me was her deep appreciation for the roles that libraries had played in her life. Libraries were a place of safety, imagination, escape, and possibility for Lena all throughout her childhood and her youth. There is no one, really, there is no one I know who is more enthusiastic, joyful, and committed to public libraries than Lena, the librarian. And so I knew how hurtful those experiences of being questioned and dismissed as a librarian were to her, not just as a professional, but as someone who has a deep love and a sense of purpose for her work. I also know that Lena loves UBC. I know that this community has in many ways made her a powerful and life-giving, has been made a powerful and life-giving impact on her and her family's lives. And so when I heard Lena say, I didn't want you to think I couldn't do this, I realized something. I realized that Lena was afraid. I realized that she was afraid of failing a community that she loved, that she was afraid of letting me down, and she was afraid of being seen as incompetent, incapable, and unworthy of her position as our children's ministry coordinator, to which I say, in an effort of keeping it church appropriate, malarkey. (laughs) Those narratives have no life in this community. And so I said to her, you have all the gifts that cannot be taught when it comes to our kids. There is no doubt about this. What we need to figure out is this child care situation, right? And that's your job. But when you hit a brick wall in your efforts, you don't spin your wheels by yourself. You ask for help. 
Now, there might be folks in our congregation who are looking to make some extra money, or they might know other people who are looking. So you don't have to do this alone. We're not here to judge you. We're in this together. So we made an announcement. Now, I might not have thought that much about that conversation if it wasn't for our passage this week, actually. A master gives various sums of money to three servants, five talents, two talents, one talent. And our translation today says coin, which is fine and probably makes a lot more sense than talent, which can get sort of confusing, right? Are we talking about juggling or are we talking about money? So I get the decision. And you might be thinking, well, how much is a talent, right? How much are these coins? What are we talking about here? So a talent or one coin in this passage was worth about 15 years of wages. So if you're inclined to think that the third servant got the shaft with just like the one talent, right, don't. Because if, let's say, a year's worth of salary um, is $30,000, that's almost half a million dollars just for one coin, right? So the master says, I'm going to go away for a period of time, take care of this money, and off he goes, right? So the first servant takes his $2.2 million, puts it to work, and doubles it. The second one does the same. But the third one, that one puts it in a safety deposit box and walks walks away. The master comes back, asks for a report. The first two, first two say, master, you gave me this much, and this is how much I made. And he's delighted by their efforts, doubles their capital, and invites them to celebrate. But when the third one gives their report, the first thing out of their mouth isn't, master, you gave me this amount of money. No, the first words out of the servant's mouth are, I know you are a hard man. So I was afraid. And I hid my valuable coin in the ground. Here, have it back. You know, I used to have a hard time with this parable because it felt like it supported the accumulation of money. (laughs) And I'll be honest, I much more prefer the story of the rich man being challenged to give away his money than a few servants being ordered to make a bunch of money for someone who's already rich, right? But as I've dug deeper into this passage, I realized something. This story isn't just about money. It's definitely about money, but it's not just about money. It's also about fear. Fear and also some resentment. The kind of fear that gets cultivated within us The inner narratives that bind up our imaginations and paralyze our sense of possibility. The kind of fear that pushes us in places and ways we don't want to be pushed, but we have no choice out of punishment. And this kind of fear, it makes us resentful, small-minded, and ungenerous. The first two servants, it is clear, had a strong sense of what they could do with what they'd been given, right? They had a sense of liberation and agency and purpose as they went away from their master. This was an order and an opportunity in their eyes. But for the third servant, the minute that coin dropped into their hand, it became a burden and a source of anxiety. It never occurred to them that they could make something of what they had been given. Instead, it was about preservation at all costs, so they buried their opportunity. Better one coin than no coin, they thought to themselves. And so imagine their surprise when the master returns, and instead of escaping his wrath, they only found more of it. You took a tremendous opportunity, a powerful possibility, 15 years of wages, and you buried it? I have a feeling the master wouldn't have been nearly as angry if the servant had tried something and failed. Could it be that it is more of a sin to do nothing with the gifts that God has given you than to do something and fail. What would the world look like if we ran with what we had with all the confidence of the first servants? What if we were able to turn down the volume on those inner dialogues enough to step out with just the amount of confidence we needed to make something of what we'd been given? 
Now this past week, as you all know, the midterm elections were held, and for many among us, it felt like there was a lot on the line in this cycle. The rollbacks that have occurred around protections for vulnerable populations, healthcare, climate protection, not to mention the racist and hostile immigration policies, voter suppression, and ongoing instances of gun violence that seem to be accelerating in this country, it has set all of us on edge. And while the results of the various elections around the country may not have made everyone's dreams come true, there is one thing for certain. We are in the midst of a great and powerful transition that is taking place. And this is how I know. It isn't just that there's a demographic shift happening in this country, which there is. There's something else. This past election, there were a record number of women running for office. A record number of women who had been elected to Congress. Among them, there were many firsts. First millennial, first Muslims, first Native Americans, first lesbian mom. Was it that women suddenly became competent leaders? Was it that they used to be dumb and now they're smart? Of course not. What changed isn't the capacity, it's the courage. Something deep is being undone. Something powerfully constricting and spiritually debilitating is being loosened. And we are seeing firsthand what liberation and courage set loose in this world looks like. But it isn't just these women. It's also the ones who came before them, the ones who didn't win, right? The ones who weren't first, the ones whose names will never be set in history books. It's those ones, too, who have been good and faithful to the gifts that they have been given. I'm convinced of that. It's not about winning. It's about what you did with what you had. Now, today we're beginning a new sermon series on the topic of money, and more specifically, what is it for? John Wesley, the founder of, United, of the Methodist movement, had some thoughts about this, and true to his reputation, he also had a method for it. Earn all you can, give all you can, and save all you can. Now, we'll be exploring each of these methods through the same scripture passage over the next two weeks, so just kind of like snuggle in and get cozy with Matthew 25. And today we're looking at that first kind of um, method, earn all that you can. Now, in our hyper-capitalistic culture, it would be easy to hear this phrase as permission to go all in for whatever it took to make the most money possible, right? But of course, that's not what he's saying at all. In fact, there is even some guidance that he gives that would be considered, I think, downright bad for business, right? Things like, don't sell your goods at below market price. Don't try to ruin someone else's trade to advance your own. Don't actively entice or headhunt people for, who are working at another business if it would hurt their trade. Don't sell products that hurt the body or are unethical. Don't produce things that would hurt another person's soul. In this case, he was talking about certain plays that would pull people away from God or godly living. But we could probably think of, of certain music or films or video games that have the same effect. And finally, uh, don't, hurt, don't work in a field or a context that would hurt your faith. For this, Wesley was really encouraging people to use their personal discernment. Because some industries, some forms of work are harmful for one person's soul, but not harmful for another's, right? Um, but some industries and work environments encourage toxic frameworks that really hurt someone's soul. For example, I was having a conversation with a UVCer who worked in a highly competitive corporate environment, and she shared how some of her colleagues who are at upper levels actually call certain employees who don't perform as well trash. She shared how hard it was not to take on that mindset, to not judge people who are as quick or as smart or as productive as being worthless and expendable. 
She knew that she couldn't stay there for too long. Otherwise, she would fully absorb that way of thinking. And within a year, she was able to find a much less soul-harming place to work. And now, not everyone has the luxury of finding another job, right, when you, don't, when you don't like the one that you have. But it is our responsibility and our discipleship, even, to do everything in our power to make our working situation ones that enable us to more fully contribute to God's work in the world and flourish as followers of Jesus. Finally, then, while John Wesley calls Christians to earn all that we can, it should never happen at the expense of our health, which is another way to say, don't gain money at the expense of life. So when you see this list, in light of the call to earn all that you can, I hope you understand that this mandate is not about greed or hyper-productivity or intense competitiveness, right? It's about making the most of what you have for the sake of a flourishing world. It's about being the kind of person who takes the gifts, the talents, and even the coins that God has given you to participate in God's life-giving work. And this work isn't just for the individual. It's also for the communities that we're a part of, whether it's our neighborhood, our cities, our states, or even our church. Now, at UVC, we are also actually earning all that we can with the gifts that we have been given. Some of you know that over the years, we've grown in our reputation for uh, knowing how to effectively engage in inclusive church planting. And after countless calls and requests to share what we've been doing, we organized a curriculum based on the topics that were most di- distinctive to, how we do, to what we do. Things like inclusive evangelism and worship, anti-racist leadership and fundraising. And we launched our first inclusive church planting cohort in this past January, January 2018. Now, we had hoped to have a cohort of six pulled together, but much to our amazement, we ended up having 11. And currently, we're on track to, have, to host at least a cohort of six next year again. We've also been tapped to share about some of the distinct ways that we have communicated the gospel. A few years ago, we preached a sermon series on the topic of anxiety, and it quickly became one of our most listened to podcasts in all of our sermons. About a year later, the United Methodist Women, a denominational entity, reached out and asked us to write a book and study for it that goes along with anxiety. Now, the book is due to be published next year, and the UMW will distribute it across their networks so that what we are talking about gets spread. These kinds of projects and initiatives are ways that we are trying to earn all that we can as a church. And we do this certainly because it helps with our budget, right? That is without a doubt. But we also do this because it is important and meaningful work that we believe contributes to God's vision of wholeness of life for all. Because this is what money is for. This is why we are committed to earning that we can, all that we can, to increase wholeness of life for all. Some of us have five coin jobs. Amen, right? (laughs) Not me, but, you know, amen for those who do. (laughs) Others of us have one-coin jobs, right? And others, still, some of us would be happy with any job. But for all of us, we are called to do the most with what we have where we can. Not because our productivity determines our worth, but because this is what it means to faithfully respond to what God has given us and what we are called to do in the world. Where are you in the call to earn all that you can? What does that look like, where you are, where you find yourself? And how is that adding to the flourishing of creation? Because ultimately, this is what money is for. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that you gift us 
with the things that, with the resources, with the talents, with the opportunities that we have. And help us always to see those as just another set of coins that you are giving to us to do something in this world. Help us to be people who are not bound by those inner narratives that tell us that we couldn't possibly, that tell us that we can only do so much. Help us to fix our eyes, to fix our standard on what you are calling us toward. Help us to dial down the volume on those voices and even those institutional or social constructs that keep us small-minded, that make us resentful. Help us instead to hear your voice, your narrative, the story that you are speaking within us and calling us toward, to be people of courage and liberation, showing this world what it could possibly be if it would allow itself to be free. Help us to see our money and all of the resources that we have, not as things to be hoarded and buried, but as opportunities to do good work in this world wherever you lead us. We thank you that you entrust us with the coins that we have, that we might be able to go and participate in your work as you lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>